Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Suave. Been in my back for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different road change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly now. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports For baseball, boxing, golf, and more Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Alrighty, guys, we are back with another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Robinson. Before we get into the interview today and introduce our guest, man, you know we got to get the business out the way. Before you guys go any further, go ahead and stop, take a pause, and tap that subscribe button down below if you're watching this on YouTube. We're on the road to 10K. We just hit 8,600 subscribers on YouTube. So shout out to you guys for supporting us. Uh, running this up, man. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, go ahead and give us a five-star rating, like the show. It goes a long way. Leave a review, man. Um, this is going to be a great conversation, as always. You know, so that helps this show just kind of get pushed out to more and more people. Um, that was my guy, Pull Up Tay, on the intro. It's going to be him again on the outro. Just dropped the album, so make sure you guys tune in to his music. One of the hottest up-and-coming artists out of the DMV, man. Y'all know that. But... Without further ado, man, we are pleased to be joined by a guy who is one of the best guards overseas right now in Europe, a guy who I've had the pleasure of meeting in person a couple of years ago back uh, in Milan during the FIBA break, somebody who's played all over the world, um, and somebody who I think a lot of you guys will be able to draw inspiration from just from his story. Um, it's been a long time coming, man. I'm glad we finally be able to get this done, man, but we are yes, sir. on an episode by John Robertson, man. John, thanks for coming on with us. Nah, I appreciate you having me, man. No doubt, no doubt, man. Like I said, I know a lot of folks definitely uh, going to enjoy this interview, man. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, I know you're in the middle of your offseason, man. So just talk to me about, you know, how that's going so far, you know, how's life, man. How's, uh, you know, I know the season can be stressful. So finally getting into that offseason is, you know, the best part of every overseas hooper is uh, the, uh, of the <laughs> talk to me about the offseason, how that's going so far. No, nah, absolutely, man. It was a tough season, man, a long 10-month season, a grind. Uh, a lot of practices because, you know, we were only playing once a week. So, you know how that goes. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's good to be back home. You know, you get to see the family. You get to see friends. You get to visit. Um, and you also got to put that work in while you're over here, too. So, you know, you can't get too lazy uh, or complacent. So that's what I'm trying to do. Just, you know, stay busy, you know, keep working on my game and, uh, you know, relax a little bit, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, how much time do you do you normally give yourself off before you start ramping it back up as far as workouts once the season ends? Uh, man, when I was younger, it was about two to three weeks. But, you know, the older I get, I realize how hard it is to get back in shape. Yep. So uh, <laughs> after this year, and it's crazy because during the year, you be, talk, you be telling yourself, oh, I'm not going to touch a basketball for a month. <laughs> yep. uh, you know, 
And then when it gets time to, you know, relax and to just get away from basketball, you know, for me personally, I, you know, I start missing it too much and I, I get the itch. And then I start thinking, you know, for me, I get paranoid. I'm like, man, I've been off too long. Yeah. You know, I start getting anxious. Yeah. So uh, this this uh, summer, I've only I only took one week off and I got right back to it after a week. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, part of that is because I'm going to be playing in the TBT in July. And I want to be ready for that. So, uh, you know, I don't want to get too out of shape. You know, I'm 34 now, so I'll, it might take me about two, three weeks to get back into, you know, game shape. So I just want to stay ready, you know, so I don't have to get ready. You know what I mean? Hey, that's, that's a great mentality to have, man. That's a great mentality to have. What, Appreciate it. What does a normal off-season look like for you, like, as far as your training goes? Like, you know, what is a normal day? I know, you know, Obviously, you might have the, you know, weights, the on-the-court stuff. And people off, oftentimes can see kind of what, what NBA guys do in the offseason. But for overseas guys who may not know, like, what does a normal offseason day look like for you? You know, how do you structure your days around training and, you know, leisure time for in the offseason? Uh, for me, man, I try not to be too, you know, um, just – specific as far as like I'm doing this at six o'clock or eight o'clock like I you know for me I like to find days where we have runs going on um I like to get my individual workouts in when I can I just try to make sure I'm doing something every day I don't want to have days where I'm just not doing anything um so for me you know I'm blessed to be in an area where we have a lot of pros who want to get together in the summer and play we have a lot of guys who do individual workouts here so um, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays is pickup. Um, sometimes if I you know, determine how my, you know, depends on how my body is feeling. I try to get those individual workouts in, but I like to listen to my body really. And I don't want to push too hard because um, you do need to rest, um, especially at my age. When I was younger, it was it was a little easier to do do something every day. But um, right now, you know, I'm just trying to uh play a little bit here and there, make sure I have my cardio right and, you know, get the weights in when I can. And, you know, as long as I, I'm doing something every day, I feel good. That's good. That's dope. I think that's a dope, a dope mindset to have. And um, before we kind of switch gears into, you know, your upbringing and stuff like that, I wanted to ask you, because it just popped into my head um, when I was thinking when you were talking about the off season and the training and how you kind of structure your week. I remember I was listening to a podcast um, and Andre Iguodala was talking about how he approaches the off season, right? And he was talking mm-hmm. about how young guys oftentimes, right, when they're going to the off season, you know, you might be, you might need to improve on your ball handling. You might need to become a better, you know, guy in the pick and roll, making reads. And then you might need to, you know, you might say, I want to add a couple, um, you know, higher percentage points on my three-pointer, things like that. You might have all these different things that you might say, all right, this is what I got to work on in order to become a complete player, right? Mm-hmm. What he was saying was, I think he said he might learn this from Kobe, but he was like in, you know, if you try to approach an all-season and say, well, I want to improve on, you know, three or four things, right, and try to do a little bit of everything, then you might only get, like, marginally better at at those things. And you might not – it might take you a longer time before you can come, become a complete player. It's like you're not really getting that much better. He yeah, said, well, makes sense. All-seasons is, all right, you know what? I'm going to pick one thing in my game. I'm going to attack this all summer. So let's say mm-hmm. I want to become a better low-post scorer. So obviously you're still gonna hit your spot shot, you're gonna do your ball handling in 10 minutes, but the majority of that workout is gonna be I'm gonna work on this low post, mid-post game, whatever. And when I come into next season, it's gonna be a drastic difference. And he basically talked about you do that over the course of a of you know a couple of years. Once summer you perfect 
your low post scoring. Then next offseason, you perfect your jump shooting and things like that. And then before you know it, you got a whole complete bag. So mm-hmm. as a guy who's been playing, you know, overseas for you know a long time, how do you approach getting better in the offseason and you know your your approach to training? Is it kind of like, you know what, I'm gonna focus on one thing? Or are you kind of like, you know, I'm gonna try to just focus on a little bit of everything and things like that. How do you focus on improving your game in the off seasons? For me, I think, you know, I'm the type of player who relies on my shooting, my ball handling, um, passing ability. But most importantly, like, I feel like I have to be in the best shape. I have to be in better shape than anybody else on the floor. Um, me being a point guard, you know, you have to pick up, you have to play defense, you got to run the team. Um, so you have to do so much and you have to be in the best shape possible. So I work a lot on my body. Um, but as far as on the court things, I think, you know, I like I'm a rep guy. Like I love to get the reps up and to practice off off ball shooting, off the dribble shooting, pull ups. Um, all those things I think um are the reasons why like I'm able to shoot good percentages throughout the season. And um you gotta know what type of player you are. You gotta know um what the team is gonna ask of you because sometimes you can practice, like you said, low post all summer. Then you get to the team. They don't want you to play low post. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So another part of that is just knowing your game, um, knowing what you are going to be asked to do and perfecting those things first before you work on those other things that can come later on. You know what I mean? So for me, I've, I've tried to perfect the things that I know when a, when a team looks up John Robertson and they see me on film and they know, okay, this is what we're going to get. Then when I show up, don't ask me to try to do nothing else. You know what I'm bringing to the table. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's what I've kind of made my career as is just being who I am and just perfecting those things like shooting ball handling, um, getting to my spots and keeping it simple really. That's a gem. That's a gem. And I hope for the folks that are listening to this, man, can take something from that. Because you said a couple of things that I think are super important. Number one, you said you just knowing who I am, you know, and knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses, and being to identify those things. Number two, man, keeping it simple, man. Basketball is a simple game when you really break it down. You know what I'm saying? It's a simple game. And I feel like you can get yourself into trouble when you try to go outside of those things. And like you said, add, you know, do things that you may not be comfortable with or that you may not. Uh, have worked on in the summer. So if you keep it simple, show a team what you're great at, I think that'll take guys, you know, uh, uh, a long way. So I appreciate you Absolutely. know the on that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned that, obviously, you know, where you are right now, you're lucky to have a bunch of guys who are, you know, uh, hooping and, you know, you got the pro run and stuff. I want to kind of take it back a little bit to just, you know, your your upbringing, right? I know you were born in Kansas City, you know, Midwest guy, and then you had a had a stint in Florida, you moved over there, and then kind of established roots in high school in, in Texas and in, in Plano, mm-hmm. if I'm mistaken. So, just talk to me about your upbringing, kind of how you got introduced to the game, um, and what you can remember about those early years, you know, around basketball. Man, I just remember always uh, loving loving the game. Um, my dad is the is the person who really introduced me to the game. Um, showing me his pictures in the yearbook and him being in uh, high school and being, and you know, just hearing, growing up hearing stories about, oh, your dad was this, your dad was that, um, really kind of lit that fire for me. And then, uh, I mean, once I started, I was about seven. Once I got started, I just, it was my first love and I just fell in love with it. Uh, and I was, you know, I was super blessed to be where I was. I was in Florida. 
around other little kids who love the game of basketball. And uh, those little kids just happened to be, ended up being super, super good players as well. Nick Calathis, um, Chandler Parsons, Joey Rodriguez are some guys I played with, Darius Washington, Torian Green, like all came from the same area. And um, just being around those guys really like pushed me to try to be better and, you know, always work on my game. And it was just like a life. It was just like a lifestyle. You know, like they say, ball is life now. Like, that's what it was. Like, we lived for basketball. We we just loved it. And um, I've been in love ever since. And, you know, uh, I think you see a lot of guys who don't love it. And you got to really love it if you're going to play this game and get better and want to get better and, um, you know, make it a career and play for a long time. You know what I mean? So, you know, I was just super blessed to be around those guys growing up. And then, uh, you know, I moved to Texas when I was a junior in high school. Um, didn't want to move, wanted to stay with my friends and, you know, continue that. But ended up being a blessing in disguise. Uh, I wasn't really heavily recruited coming out of Florida. And when I came here, I got some more looks um, and ended up, you know, getting a college uh, scholarship to Texas Tech. Uh, played for Bob Knight. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, that was that was a, a great experience to play for him and play for Pat Knight. So, um, yeah, it was, it's been a journey, man. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade anything. So I got a twofold question. Number one, you know, what was that experience like playing for Bob Knight? Because we've all heard all the crazy stories and <laughs> about about that experience. So, number one, you know, what was that experience like playing for Bob Knight? But then before that, what made you commit to Texas Tech in the first place? Because I feel like around that time, Texas Tech has come a long way now there, you know, made national championship final forward back then Texas Tech wasn't necessarily a basketball school you know like that mm -hmm. so what what made you want to go there in the first place and then you know get into that you know Bobby Knight experience as a player oh man uh I just saw what he was doing for guys who weren't heavily recruited I was a three-star coming out of high school so I wasn't like a, the four or five stars that were getting the recognition from Duke and all those you know those high majors so I saw he was taking like guys who weren't, you know, heavily recruited and turning them into better players, turning them into stars and what he was accomplishing at Texas Tech. So um, I saw that. And then, you know, the fact that he came to my house, like, and like, this is Bob Knight. Like it was like a big deal for me. Um, and, you know, he's in my living room eating snacks, my, talking to my mom. Like, oh man, this is crazy. Uh, and, you know, I knew he was I, I needed somebody who was going to be tough on me because, you know, I had when I was younger, I was I was a little I was stubborn, bro. I was stubborn. So I knew I needed somebody tough who, who was going to tell me the truth and was going to coach me hard. So um, that's what I needed. And I wasn't going to shy away from it. I know they're playing in the Big 12. I'm playing against the top players in a great conference. So I wanted to play against the best. And have an opportunity to play as well. I knew I was going to get a chance to play coming in as a freshman, so that was big for me. And um, yeah, man, that was a uh, that's pretty much the reason I went to Texas Tech. So, and then once you got there, you're on campus, you know, playing for for Coach Knight. Did you ever? When did it first click? Like, oh snap! Like this, this is real. You feel me? Like he, this, I, I might have heard the stories, but. Like, nah, this is real life. You know what I'm saying? What did that hit? Did you have any? Nah, it was it was the first 
workout we had. You know, in, in college back then, the first workout, it was only like 30 minutes. Like, that's all you could do when you – it was the hardest 30 minutes I ever, had, like, experienced in my life playing basketball. It was intense. It's full speed. He's yelling at you. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, man, what is going on? <laughs> and it was really like a wake-up call. Like, wow, like, this uh, introduction to college basketball, like, it was – it was a lot, yeah. But uh, yeah, he pushed you a lot, man. And you know, I got some stories I probably can't say right now, but <laughs> a lot of things happened. And he was very intense. He didn't like to lose, um. But you know, I learned a lot from him. And you know, if you can play for Bob Knight, you can play for anybody. So, fact. Do you have any stories that you can share about uh, <laughs> that wouldn't that wouldn't get folks, uh, you know, any type of <laughs> And it made me feel the same type of way about, about the situation. Oh man. Uh like just the story of him coming in, coming into uh coming into my house, he recruited me, man. Just he he just had like a a sense of humor that you don't think he really that Bob Knight is gonna have. And yeah. you know, he can keep it light as well as be intense, but uh he was a great guy. Um, you know, he was just, you know, one time I remember we were losing games. We had lost a couple of games in a row and, you know, we, we, we show up to the arena and none of our practice gears is, is in the locker room. He's like, you know, you don't deserve to wear the Texas Tech gear. You got to wear your own, own stuff. And then we get to the gym and he didn't set up tables with ice cream and cake and candy. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is what you deserve. Y'all don't want to play hard. Eat this candy and ice cream. Y'all just want it easy. Like, it was <laughs> It was crazy, man. Was crazy. But he knew he knew how to tap those buttons. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it was all a mind game, but it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Got pissed <laughs> off. I <laughs> said, "What? Some dude was getting scoops of the ice cream." I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> it was it was crazy. It was crazy, but you know that was him, man. That was him. That was him. Yeah, hey, that's a good one, man. Sheesh, I don't know if I would have been able to turn down. Ice cream. Yeah. All my folks know I'm an ice cream connoisseur, man. I'd be like, hey, you can step out the gym real quick. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? man. man. So I feel like uh, as anybody who's played overseas, specifically in Europe, knows you can get some tough coaches, man, especially if you get a Serbian coach or some some of these crazy coaches. Have you played for a coach since then that's been worse than the coach night as far as the intensity or like the the MS that you might receive or whatever, or, or coach night you still take the cake? Ah, man. Uh, yeah, I played for a couple that have been really intense. Um, I haven't played for any coaches who get personal, though, mm. as much as I experienced in college. Usually, you know, coaches overseas, they're going to be intense. They're going to be on you. Um, they're going to yell, but they don't get personal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're going to leave your parents out of it. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I feel so like how yeah. coaches really have no bound. I, I think no they, boundaries. They have no boundaries, bro. They 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 gonna mf you and tell you 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 no good. That you be like, yeah. That's they like, gonna you, attack your character. Everything they gonna talk about your girlfriend. Like it's, it gets bad. It gets bad. Jeez, man. Uh, yeah, that's. Hey, listen, man, Coach Knight is a legend, you know, regardless, though, man. Like I guess he, he got the best out of a lot of players. So, you know, mm -hmm. nothing but some tough love. You know, nothing but some tough love. No, nah, uh, exactly. 
So before we get into kind of your your overseas career and things like that, man, I want to touch on one of the things that truly makes you unique. And I think that um, a lot of folks are probably interested in too. Obviously, you have an experience to play for, now I know I'm going to butcher the name, is Bosnia. And how do you say the second part of that? <laughs> Bosnia and Herzegovina. Ah, all right. Learn something new. So <laughs> Bosnia and Herzegovina uh, in international competition. How, before we get into the actual competition, right, how does an American, you know, who from you know, from Florida, Texas, get a Bosnian passport to get that opportunity. How what does that process look like to be able to play for them in international competition? So when I was in Sweden, I had a Bosnian coach, uh, Coach Bosnich. Um, I played for him for three years and we we won three champions together, had a great relationship, so uh still have a great relationship to this day. And um he ended up getting the national team job. And in Europe, you can naturalize you can naturalize one player per team. Every team gets one naturalization. So I just he just chose me to be that guy that he wanted to naturalize to be a part of the team. You could just choose the so, guy to naturalize. Yes, one you get one spot per team. So um, you know, just being the the relationship we had, and I think that position was a position that they needed to cover. Um, you know, it's just a blessing that I was able to get that experience, man. It was crazy experience playing in the Euro basket and representing, you know, Bosnia and Herzegovina. It was a dream come true to be a part of that, play against NBA guys, play against Luka Doncic. Yeah. Um, man, so, you know, I still think about that to this day. It was just, it was amazing. So I'm glad I did get that opportunity and, uh, you know, still got a lot of love for, uh, you know, for the for my teammates on that team and you know everybody I was able to play with. So, what are some of your favorite moments or matchups, games that you can you can recall from your experience playing with Bosnia and Herzegovina? Oh man, just like I said, the the game against Slovenia, we were able to win. I think it was like their first loss, and I don't know how many games, but they were the defending EuroBasket champions, and they hadn't lost um, until we until we beat them. So that was a, a great. Great, great experience. Um, and then just being there and being like my first game in Bosnia, you know, it was great atmosphere. Those those people love basketball. They know the game. And just the love that they give is, is just tremendous. So, um, you know, it's definitely an experience I'll never forget. Now, when you matched up against Luka, what year was that? That was last summer. So he's already been in the league for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So what was that matchup like, you know, in into that game? Cause I know he goes, I, I seen some highlights. I was out there uh watching the games in person, but he be going like he be going federal in the international competition. So what, what was that matchup like as far as matching up against I feel like most guys, we've had a couple guys on the podcast that played against Luca when he was like in Spain before he came to the league. And I was like, Oh, did you know he was gonna be good? This and that. But it's different playing against this version of Luka Nye. He's been in the NBA. You know, he got the you know, the, the, the bag with him in the conference as well. So, you know, what was that matchup like? Man, it was it was crazy because I, I didn't realize how big he was. Like, he's 6'7", I don't know, 240. He's, you know, a huge guard. And with the, with the skills that he has, like, he's unstoppable. We caught him on a – I think we caught him on a bad day. Don't get me wrong. We, had a, we were throwing a lot of guys at him. Um, who were trying to be physical with them, who were, you know, picking them up full court. Because that's all you really can do is try to make it as tough as possible and try to wear them out. 
But uh, I think we caught him on a, just we got lucky and caught him on a bad day, man. I guarded him a couple times. He pushed me to the side, made a lay. I was like, okay, this is for real. Um, <laughs> but it's different. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, he's a great player. His 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 IQ, I think, is what sets him apart. Um, his passing ability, the fact that he can pull up from anywhere. He has a ball on a string. His strength, you know, is you know he has the he's the complete package. So. He's just gonna continue to get better, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a great matchup, man. Like, and he, you know, he makes his team his teammates better. I think that's what people don't realize. He's just finding guys in the perfect place, and he draws so much attention that you know, and he's always making the right play. So that's 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 a crazy a crazy matchup. But even better, that's how I got the win. You know what I'm saying? So you go <laughs> always got got that you know uh, notch. Um, yeah. First time opportunity to team up with uh, Yusuf Nurkic, you know, with the with that yes, uh, with the Covina team, man. So what's that experience like playing with him? Obviously, he's one of the best centers in the league, you know. Today, mm-hmm. so what's the opportunity like getting to play with a guy like that and uh, have him as a teammate? Man, it was amazing. Um, really humble guy, great guy. Um, it's crazy because I played, I was playing in uh, Slovenia my first year in Europe, and he was like a young kid on the sideline. Um, that was trying to make his way and play with the older guys. And he, I think he had, was dealing with some injuries and um, we would always see him on the side working out, you know, never knew he would end up being the player he is today, but man, he is like one of the strongest guys I've seen on a basketball court. Um, you know, playing against France and the, in the qualifiers and seeing him go up against Rudy Gobert and, some of the bigs that France has, and he was just having his way, you know. Um, I was like, wow. <laughs> like, dude, is, he's a problem, man. He's a problem. And he's super skilled, light on his feet, um, you know. So, yeah, it's it's just a, like you see the difference of talent when you see these those type of guys. And, uh, you know, it's just a it – was, it was great to see and experience that and – um, you know, really smart guy, great passer as well, great feel for the game. So it was, it was it was cool to play with them. And you mentioned that that game against France. I was going to ask you about that. You guys you guys beat them as well um, in in the World Cup qualifiers. The team with you know obviously you mentioned Gobert, Elliot Kobo, who just won mm-hmm. Monaco, and a plethora of other guys. Um, you talking about that game because I don't know if if they had arrested the NBA guys, if, if Fournier and all those guys were out there or not. But I know France has come a long way. Man, obviously they, they lost in the gold medal game you know, this year to, to Team USA. Uh, mm-hmm. so about, you know, that game, you know, matching up uh, against those guys, man, is what, what that whole experience was like as well. Uh, man, it was it was great because, you know, my, my wife is from France and I, I was I was talking a little trash to her. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she, she her family was watching the game. You know, I had to, you know, it felt good to get a W against France. Yes. Um, but yeah, man, those guys are great. Fournier was out there, uh, Akobo, Albasi, who's a great point guard. Um, they have a, I mean, their their roster is loaded. They got, you know, Euroleague, NBA, they have all type of guys um on the roster. And uh, you know, I think we kind of took them by surprise. Uh coming to Bosnia, I don't know. They they expected us to come out, you know, with that type of energy and for that atmosphere to be like that, but um yeah, man, it was a, it was a great win, and I'm glad we were able to do it in front of the the home crowd fans. So, uh, you know, I had a lot of people coming up to me after the game saying, "Oh, that was the 
you know, one of the greatest wins in, in our history. And like just to be a part of that is is crazy. So that's a crazy, that's a crazy experience, man. That's 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 legendary right there for sure. Mm -hmm. What type of um advantages or opportunities do you think has come from you being able to do that, uh play international competition? Cause I feel like, especially in Europe, man, you play in that international competition. I mean that 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 shows a lot, you know, and you played really well in that and in, in that opportunity that, that, that you had with them. So what opportunities or what advantage would you say has kind of come from that um post international competition or even if it's just you know experiencing things that you've taken with your game, but um what would you say that's done for your career uh since being able to have that opportunity to, to play with them in the international competition? Man, I think more than anything, it just gives you that that confidence because it just you know, you know, as being like a, a smaller guard and sometimes you can get overlooked. I know that's happened to me in my career. You know, you get overlooked or some people don't give you the credit or the respect you, you think you deserve. Um, being able to play against the top players and NBA guys, it kind of validates yourself. You know, you can you can validate yourself, even if nobody gives you the credit or whatever. Um, it just let me know that I can play with these guys and uh you know, that meant everything to me to be on the same floor as, as, as those those level of players and to hold my own, um, you know, it meant everything to me. And uh, so that that was uh, that was big for me. And then, of course, yeah, like, you know, being on on that stage and, you know, performing and, you know, for me, I think it helped me get to Turkey, you know, um, my next contract was Turkey. So I think those guys saw that and, you know, they were like, OK. You know, he's our guy. Uh, so that, you know, that was something. But uh, yeah, man, I think I think it can definitely help you if you get the, if you get a chance to play, you know, on a big stage like that, it can help you, you know, start your career off, uh, depending on your situation or what stage you're at in your career. Definitely, you know, help you take off. Sure. Now, the last thing I'll ask as far as in extra competition before we get into the, the pro journey, man, I feel like as an outsider looking in, right, I'm watching guys and I see like, for example, Laurie Marketing, he, you know, he was like a regular pedestrian with the Cavs. He came over to Finland, was going federal, got traded to the Jazz, NBA All-Star first year. Like, people always want to make jokes about Dennis Schroeder and this and that, but he goes federal when he plays for Germany. You know what I'm saying? He's one of the best players. He looked crazy out there. Mm -hmm. You know, Nurkic, who's – most people say, oh, he's a he's a good big, but, you know, having his way with Rudy Gobert, you know, and, and I was coming – why do you think that is that guys, like, kind of – just become, I want to be a different player, but just, I guess, flip that switch when it comes to, you know, international competition. They may, may look like a whole different, you know, player than you might see them in their, you know, NBA season or even with, you know, Euro League season and stuff like that. Man, because they are a different player when they play for their national team, you know, <laughs> like they have a different role. You know what I mean? Um, Nurkic plays for the Blazers, but he's not the man on that team. It's Dame's team. You know what I mean? But when he comes to Bosnia, he's the man. So he has a bigger role and he has to fill that void. Um, and that's the same thing with Laurie Markinen and Dennis Schroeder. Like Dennis Schroeder, he's the captain of the German national team. It's his team, you know, and that's his role to be the guy. And, you know, when you're the guy, when you have the green light, when you have the freedom to do whatever you want, like your confidence is, is way higher. You you play different. Your swag is different. You know what I mean? So everything is just, you know, is is is, is maximized to, you know, you you filling those shoes and you filling that void of being the guy. I feel like um there's a lot of guys in the NBA that 
if you give them the keys, they can perform. Yeah. They can get you 20, 25 a night. But, you know, some guys are just playing their role. Thanks, thanks. Hey, like you said, man, Duke Mike, they 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 walk in that gym a little different. They 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 swag a little <laughs> different walking to that, that gym when they go fever play. They, they swag absolutely. Now, that's that's tough, man. So kind of changing the gears a little bit. I want to get into your pro career, man. And I feel like just doing research on your career, you mentioned like first couple of years, you kind of play in a bunch of different places. Um, before you eventually find your footing um in Sweden. It was, you know, from there, I was I was able to get into France and kind of your career took off from there. But talk about kind of those beginning years of your career, right? Like trying to establish yourself, you know, trying to, you know, just get your footing started as a pro. Like talk about those early years and kind of um, what those first few years like trying to just find your footing, you know, in the overseas game. Man, I almost gave up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was uh, it was tough, man. Like I was talking, to, I'm talking about this with my wife the other day and uh, just reminiscing about on those days as far as just having to adjust from college to Europe, not really like I came from a motion offense, running a motion offense in college to trying to run a pick and roll in Europe, and it just doesn't translate. So I had to figure it out, man. And that's where I think loving the game comes into play because I love the game so much, I'm gonna figure it out. Like I have no other choice, no other options. Like that's why that's what I was feeling. Like I don't want to do anything else but play basketball. So I had to figure it out. Um, and my first my first job in Slovenia, I got cut, and I had to go back to the drawing board. Went to the ABA in South Carolina. Uh, actually, Coach Beard, Coach Chris Beard, was the coach out there. He was my assistant coach at Tech, and uh, finished the year out there. Didn't get any more jobs in Europe that year. And then uh, went to Ecuador for a summer gig just to try to get back on and get some numbers and some film. So I'm in Ecuador practicing on outside courts. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I'm yep. like, man, I was just at Texas Tech like a year ago. Now I'm outside playing. Like it was just like a culture shock, man. I was really tripping. Like, like what am I doing? And, and, you know, all this is going through your head, but it's like, you know, I, like I said, I love the game so much. I didn't want to give up, but you have people in your ear like, Oh, you can make that money over here. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> Man. So that's something I had to go through and I, you know, I had to hear on a, on a daily basis, but you know, if you believe in something, you know, as much as I did, I just wasn't, wasn't going to give it up, man. So, um, a lot of prayer, a lot of belief. And, you know, I, I started getting some breaks. Um, I really got lucky, man. Like some guys got hurt in Switzerland. I took over his spot for a month. It was a month contract. Played three good games, only three. Then Sweden called. Somebody else got hurt. They need a somebody to fill in. I'm on a tryout contract. I think for like I think it was like sixteen hundred a month. Um, and they got me staying in like a hostel. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's just like I'm just I'm just pushing. I'm just pushing. Um, and ended up we ended up winning the championship that year. Signed again to go back. Won another championship. Went to Hungary. Got cut from there. Had to go back to Sweden. Finished the season out there, and then that's when I went to France, and everything started to, you know, take off from there. And but yeah, the first couple of years before Sweden were really really tough. I remember thinking about giving up and. Uh, just 
you know, when you can't catch a break and when you just, you feel like maybe this isn't for me, maybe I'm not good enough. You start having that doubt, you know what I mean? And, uh, just had a, you know, really my faith is what kept me going, man. So, man, I feel like that's just like, that's so important to hear, man, because I feel like it's crazy. Um, God works in mysterious ways because I feel like the last episode I had is dropping, it should drop today, it was with Stan Okoye. And uh, it's wild because I met Stan, I met you uh, on like a Thursday in Milan, and I met Stan <laughs> on Sunday in Milan. And we both okay, been okay. there since, man. It's crazy. I just had him on the podcast. And he had a similar situation, man. He was like, he went over, he came from VMI, you know, military school, used to everything kind of being, you know, business, right? Goes overseas to Greece, money on time, don't got a car, everything not what it's supposed to be. Leaves Greece, goes to Israel. Um, wild story unfolds, gets cut in Israel. He like, man, like, I just was in two different countries just in November, and I'm cut, I'm, I'm home. He said he started getting his resume together. Like, man, I'm about to just give up on basketball, man. I'm about to get a job. You know, yeah. he had questions at VMI, like, yeah, man, I could have got you a job here. All you had to do was just show up to the interview. Da, da, da. He's like, man, I make the wrong choice. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, he ends up going to, like, a second division team in Australia, kind of finds that love again, and then ends up getting you know, a job in Italy and kind of just works his way up from there. But but he talked about kind of hitting that wall. He's like, man, I'm about to get my resume ready and get a real job, about to quit. And kind of going to Australia, which is kind of the same as you doing the ABA in Ecuador. And I remember, man, I was in Costa Rica. Same box, <laughs> man. I miss I missed my rookie year because of COVID. I had, find, I had a shitty agent, had to find my agent, had to get a whole new agent. So I missed my whole rookie year, had to kind of start fresh. So I went to Costa Rica for a summer gig just to, like, get some film. We practicing on the concrete. My knees hurting, hips is hurting, back hurting crazy. Like, it's wild out there in Latin America, man. But just to get yeah. film. And uh, it's crazy even to hear this story now, bro. I mean, we talked a little bit off air before. Mm. I was telling you about how I came out here to Japan to kind of do 3x3 and then 515, and the situation was kind of rocky in 515. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back for 3-on-3. Three three. And you had those moments of doubt. We like, damn, bro, like, yeah, up? You know what I'm saying? Is it mm -hmm. worth it? And I feel like, you know, God just works in mysterious ways because I feel like hearing these stories just even it inspires me just to keep going, like, mm -hmm. up, man, because you never know what can happen and what you might be able to fall into if you just don't quit. You know what I'm saying? But I definitely had that those same thoughts. So I want to ask you, right? Like, what were you telling yourself in those moments, right? When you're thinking about giving it up, when you're thinking about quitting, when you're going on the tryout deals, and you're like, man, like, I could be making more than this working a nine to five at the crib. Like, how'd you kind yeah. of going, right? For somebody who might be listening to this right now and mm -hmm. it's kind of on that verge of making that decision, you know what I'm saying? What kind of, what were you telling yourself in those moments? Man, I just, like I said, I just prayed a lot, man. And I remember, I remember, okay, so the first time I got cut was in Slovenia. Then I go to Ecuador and I feel like I'm about to get cut there. <laughs> so I'm like, man, like if I, okay, I'm like, this is the last straw. If I get cut in Ecuador, like I'm really, I'm going to have to hang it up. Like I'm not, I'm, I might not be good enough to play overseas. And I remember we're in, it will, it would have been the last preseason game. Um, was coming up and I just remember like getting down on my knees man and just like crying out bro like to God and asking him to just not give up on me man. and I was like man like this is really what I want to do um just please help me like I just remember please help me that's what I kept asking him and uh 
like, you know, in the preseason games, I wasn't even going off. I wasn't like, and we're not playing against crazy competition. You know what I mean? So that they're probably looking at me like, you know, this guy is trash. Like, he can't even score above 20. Right. right. Um, and I remember the next game after, you know, all this happened, uh, I ended up going out there the first half at two points. I'm like, man, I'm about to go home. I'm about to go home. The second half comes, bro. I end up scoring 36 points in the second half. And I just remember, like, just looking up to the heavens and being like, thank you. And I ended up from there is, like, when everything started to fall into the right place, man. And, like, God is real, man. Like, and if you you want it bad enough, you know, he'll help you out. (laughs) He'll help you out. And, uh. It was, it was just, it was just confirmation. Like sometimes you need that confirmation. Like God is real. God is real. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, I have so many things that are, that have happened in my life that just, he just confirmed, like I'm here. Like, you know what I mean? And one of those things is moving to Texas. Um, didn't want to move to Texas, ended up moving here anyway, ended up winning a state championship. And that's how I got the, you know, the, the college scholarship to go to Texas Tech. And there's just been so many things where he's been in my corner throughout my life. I just, you know, I'm going to always praise him and give him the glory, man. Yeah, amen to that. Amen to that. So I want to, I want to, we won't get back to the pro career, but while we're here, man, I definitely want to um, expound upon that a little bit, man, because I feel like, literally, I'm in the same boat, like, legit. And I feel like it's crazy because um, I just, I literally just posted a post last night about this. And I was like, yo, like, one of the things that, has helped me so much being overseas. It's a lonely, it's a lonely life over here, man. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the, the pleasure of being married like yourself, man. We have wifey come visit. I'm I'm a single guy, you know, I'm a twin brother too. So I had my twin oh, okay. life, like identical twins. Like we like mm-hmm. this. So these past two years going on three this year, you know, without my twin, has been the most isolating times in my entire life. And um, but it's crazy because like I, I feel like you know, recently just going through the ups and downs of overseas, thinking about, damn, why, why my career hasn't gone the way I wanted to go? Why did I have to have a, a messed up agent when I first came out? Why did I have to miss my rookie year? You know, why did I have to come to a situa- situation where I didn't really play that much and didn't get opportunities? Like, why me? Why me? You know, and I feel like you question God a lot. But I feel like recently, in the midst of probably, this isn't the most, I feel like the most uh, confusion or, you know, question I had was at that rookie when I was at home. But this is probably the second most, and it's confusion as far as all right, like where is my career going from here? Mm-hmm. Like, right mm-hmm. now, right? But I feel like despite of that, I have so much peace right now. You know what I'm saying? I like I don't I'm not I'm not worried about it. I just feel like, and the reason for that is because I've just dove into like my faith and just putting trust in God, he's gonna work it out one way or another. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's been crazy to me because it's like I'm not worried about it. And my faith has been something that I feel like has grown so much as I've been over here away mm-hmm. from and I haven't been, you know, obviously when I was in LA, I was going to church on Sundays, but I haven't really been able to consistently get into a church in some years, right? But I feel mm-hmm. like my mm-hmm. so much. But I want to ask you, like, how have you been able to kind of just maintain your faith and keep the faith while being overseas, especially because being overseas in, in Europe and in Japan, for sure, it's not a lot of people who are, believe mm-hmm. in God over here because it's not their it's not their way of they don't especially in Japan and Asia they don't really grow up that way you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so how have you been able to kind of continue to you know keep your faith in God and make that a main factor in your life and in your career um being away from home for so long 
Um, I think for me, man, it's just the way I was brought up. Yeah. Uh, just those roots. Yeah. Those roots, man. Those roots are so deep for me that you you have your seasons where you you st- you stray away from God and you might you know feel super uh, uh apart from God and you don't you're not maybe not praying as much um and you can but for me those times I felt I felt lost yeah and it's like I, when I start feeling like that I'm like okay I got to get my stuff together I got to start praying again I got to you know just just for me prayer is is, is really big cuz like you said it's hard to find churches um overseas and I just I just try to pray every night. I try to uh, you know pray as much as I can throughout the day, um, and that's what helps me stay feel close and just keep my faith uh, high. And I just feel like uh, for me, man, like like I said, the roots uh, are deep, and it's hard for me. It would be it's impossible for for me to just forget what God has done for me. You know what I mean? So yeah, man, just the way I was brought up. My mom is, uh, has, has a lot of faith and she instilled that in me at a young age. And, you know, it's been like that ever since. Yeah. No, amen to that, man. Shout out to, to my mom, my grandma, God rest both of their souls, man. Cause they, I grew up in church, both of them, you know, I feel that's mm-hmm. for me even now, man. But I think that's important to, 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 to talk about, man, because I feel like you know, overseas can get super treacherous, man, as far as the ups and downs getting cut. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you go through a lot over here. You mentioned, like, even thinking you about to get on, going hungry, getting cut again. You're like, damn, like, what's going yeah. on, man? You have to find some type of grounding in something. You know what I'm saying? I think that my faith has been able to be um, what's grounding me and being able to keep me going over here, man. So I'm even just thinking about this conversation. It's just a, a blessing to me right now to be able to hear this and have this conversation um and just get that confirmation that now like you know you're doing the right thing you got to keep keep going and keep pushing man because stuff can change you know and that's kind of what I wanted to ask you next when do you feel like you first was able to when did you first feel like all right like my career is changing for the good it's going in the right direction now after getting cut and going to Ecuador and going hungry and getting cut when did that I guess when did the tide turn for you where you feel like you know what like all right like my career is finally going in an upward trajectory. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to continue to, you know, fight and scratch and claw and look over my shoulder as somebody <laughs> gonna come to that office. You know what I'm saying? Like, what did that change for you? Bro, what's what's crazy is that I am still paranoid about getting cut. Like that will always be with me after what I've been through. Um, and I think that's what kind of helps me in my and uh and going forward is that like I I work. I, I try to work so hard to where I will never have to experience getting cut again because it's a terrible feeling. You know what I mean? It's stressful. And I think that that happened for a reason, because uh, if that would have never happened, maybe I wouldn't have had that sense of urgency that I have now. And um, but to your question, um, I feel like. I would say <laughs> because not up until my second year in Sweden, I had never played a full season. So my second year in Sweden, when I was able to like play there all year, complete one season. How many years in your pro career? How many years in was that? That was year three. Mm. So my third year is when I I finally played a full year. For one team, it's so crazy. I, and, I had, uh, I'm in the same boat. I get that completed full season. Like I've been in like yeah, bro. wow. So this is this is this this story is so crazy to me. Man. I didn't mean to cut you off. 
You're no, good. no, you're good. You're good. It's just, you know, for me, that meant a lot to me that I was able to complete a season. We were able to win. And I felt like, okay, now, you know, I'm, I'm where I need to be. And now, you know, I'm, like you said, on that upward trajectory. And yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been a crazy ride, man. crazy ride. Now that's, that's, that's something else, man. So I know you, like you said, you won a championship in Sweden and then you were able to kind of get to France and kind of, you know, work the way up from there. Um, it's crazy to think about, right? You talk about not being able to complete a full season until your third year and, you know, finally getting able to get on. And now you look at your career and you've been able to play some of the top leagues in the world in national competition with NBA guys. How do you reflect on that, like, looking back, right? And, you know, where you've been able to get to now versus, you know, how rocky it was when you first started, man. Do you ever look back and be like, damn, man, like, it's it's crazy to even be here right now. And, like, how do you – how do you look back on that time period? Um, you know, when you think back on it, like how do how do you reflect on you know what you've been able to accomplish up to this point and just sticking it through? Man, it's it's a it's a it's a weird feeling looking back and seeing everything that you you've been through to get to this point. And um, man, some to be honest, I really I, I reflect sometimes, but I try not to because I'm so. I think I'm worried about the future and like how many years I got left and I'm trying to make the most of my time now. But uh, yeah, man, it's, it's crazy to look back and see um, where I've come from and, you know, just all the things I've been through. Um, but all those things that you go through make you who you are today. And, you know, um, like you said, what you're going through and the doubt that you're going through and all of that is going to shape who you are and, you know, just your work ethic and, uh, it's going to make you smart. It's going to make you sharper. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I look back and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for everything that's happened uh, because without all those things, without getting cut, without, you know, going to Ecuador and, you know, experiencing that and uh, just being in certain situations, it's really made me a, a smarter player. It's made me a smarter person, a, a, a uh, a better man and you know all those things happen for a reason yeah for sure what would you say has been your most uh successful your most rewarding like if you like oh, this is my best season when it comes to like playing in europe what would you, what would that that year be <sighs> or i know you played in australia too so you can include that one in there if that if okay that... I, I would say yeah i would say australia is definitely up there um it's definitely up there. Uh, I feel like that was probably my most productive year individually. Um, we did we weren't able to uh, win a lot of games, but <laughs> individually, I think I, that's you know one of my best seasons. Like maybe statistically, maybe this year as well um, was up there, and maybe my year in uh, my my second year in Chalon in France. It's probably up there, but one of those years, one of those years. How would you compare playing in the NBA to playing in Europe as far as like, you know, stylistically on the court basketball, how would you compare the two, you know, styles of play? Because I know NBA has a lot of talent. They have NBA guys out there too. Galore, mm -hmm. like you can see in Europe. Mm -hmm. So how would you compare those two leagues? NBA in Europe? 
No, no, no. Sorry, the NBA, uh, NBL, Australia. The Australia. Oh, the NBL. Yeah, oh. the Australian league. Yeah. The the NBL is definitely more up and down. Um, I remember when I got there, and the coach was like, "You're not shooting enough." I was like, "What? What do you mean?" <laughs> I'm like, "I'm the I, you know, I thought I'm I'm used to shooting maybe, I don't know, maybe ten to twelve shots per game." He's like, "No, I want you to shoot twenty shots." He's like, he's like, I need you to get them up and I need you to be aggressive. And I was like, well, I wasn't used to it. And just the way they play out there is just really fast pace. Um, Coach is going to give you the green light. So I had to get, I had to adjust. And like, you know, once I got adjusted, it it was fun. You know what I mean? So definitely more, uh, more similar to the NBA, I would say, Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, the way they play, Um, very athletic league. You know, the local players are really good. Uh, the Australians are really good. And, uh, yeah, man, it was it was definitely fun out there. Um, the people out there are tremendous. They're super nice and kind and uh, great people to be around. So I, I enjoy my time out there for sure. That's dope. That's dope, man. Now, I want to talk about just kind of your 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 game individually, right? Like, I know you're a guy who can shoot the ball. That's one of the things that, that, that you're well known for. Um, but I feel like, being a smaller guard who can shoot sometimes is like a gift and a curse. Because on the one hand, they'd be like, you can score and you can fill it up. But it's like, all right, well, you know, he's not really tall. So is he can he be a natural two-man? But then it's like, well, he's really in a point guard's body. So, like, sometimes it can hurt you a little bit as well. So for you, how have you been able to, I guess, kind of break through that and, you know, reach, you know, the, the levels of basketball that, that you've been able to reach despite your size and people being like, well, what position is he really? Is he a one? Is he a two? Right? Because I feel like that's, you know, that's kind of the, the stigma that a lot of smaller guards face when it comes to pro basketball. Mm-hmm. I was trying to put you in a box in the category. Well, mm-hmm. if you're not this height, you got to play this way. You know what I'm saying? So how have you been able to kind of combat that and, you know, be able to play for as long as you have? Man, I just think if you perform, there's nothing they can say. They don't care how tall you are. You know what I mean? Like, I remember coming to Sweden and he's like, he t- uh, my coach called my agent and was like, he's not six foot. He's not 5'10". Right. They were like, he, he has short arms. <laughs> but, like, none of that matters if you can play. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing he can say if I'm if I'm putting the ball in the basket, if I'm producing. So, um, you just got to go out there and prove people wrong, man. Everybody's always going to have something to say about you as a player. Or you're not tall enough. Or you're not fast enough. He's not explosive enough. But you just like as as a as a little guard, for me, I've always been short. So I know how to figure it out. You know what I mean? Um, I've always had to figure it out. So, you know, I think it's just a matter. Of, I think I don't want to toot my own horn, but I feel like I'm one of the best shooters in the world. That's how I feel about myself. That's how confident I am in myself. So when I go out there, I expect to be able to produce and that's just the confidence I have from the work I put in. Um, and I feel like any, any short guard or little guard out there, you got to put the work in, you got to put more work in than anybody else, because like you said, they want to put you in a box. They want to tell you, you can't do, you can't do things, but you, you're going to have to, our position is the hardest to play in Europe to be able to be a, a scoring guard. You have to be able to also get people involved you have to be and you have to score efficiently you can't be out there just jacking right right you know what i mean because then oh he's a bad teammate he don't he's selfish right so you have to be efficient um you have to pick your spots you have to shoot at the right times and uh i just think that comes from putting the work in 
to be able to, uh, you know, last this long. I, I feel like, you know, you have to have a work ethic. You have to take the game seriously. And, uh, yeah, you got to, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough, but it's it's what it is. Now, you said you had to perform. That's one thing you said. You had to produce, right? So I want to ask you, what does that really look like, though? Is that because I feel like you could say, because some I, we've heard the stories about, oh, I was averaging 25 and they cut me, right? So I feel like, does that look like, you know, facilitating and for a guy who does, you play point guard overseas or you play shooting guard? Or is it kind of like, I, cause I feel like, be like well, I want you to come in and be a pass first point guard and set the table for others, but that might not really be your game if you're a scoring guard. So, like, how does, because produce, in one person's eyes, he'd be like, I'm out there and getting, I'm, I'm getting 27. I'm, I'm producing. Mm-hmm. But the team might be like, nah, we want you to get 10 assists. You know what I'm saying? So how do you quantify what producing looks like uh, for a guy like that, that that's playing your role? You know, it's kind of kind of a give and take. For me, I think a lot goes to you got to be in the right situation. Yeah. A lot of the times, if you know you're a scoring guard and your agent tells you, hey, this team needs a pass first point guard, like, no, don't go there. You know what I mean? Like, don't put yourself in that situation to where you're going to have somebody asking you to be somebody you're not. Um, I think a lot goes on the agent where he should know your game. He should know what type of player you are. He should talk to the coach. He should, you know, ask those questions. And you should also, if you're able to talk to the coach, ask those questions of what type of player do you need? Like, how do you see me fitting in your system? Like, these are things you need to ask. Those are things you need to find out before before you go. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So you're not in a situation where now you're trying to be somebody else. It's not going to work, right? So you're a vet, so you you've been through it all. So I want to ask you this: Number one, have you ever like received a job, thinking, "All right, that might be cool." Talk to the coach and been like, "Nah, this ain't really my fit. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and ah pass on that one." And then number two. If you have been able to, to do that, or if you are in that position, I guess advice for guys that may be coming behind you, right? Like, um, how would you, how do you, it's tough, man, because when you're at home, you, hey, I got an offer for you. Oh, yeah, you need a, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because you might be like, man, listen, I'm on the couch or so anything is better. Absolutely. I know. I understand. And I how understand, I understand that, those right? situations. For sure. For sure. I understand those situations. Um, and I've been, like you said, I've been in a situation where a coach told me, yeah, we want you to do this and do that. And when I got there, it was totally different. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I've been on both sides, but, uh, for me, if you, if you are in a situation where like, you've been on a couch or you've been sitting for so long and you can't be picky about what you take, um, you got to go there with the open mind. You got to go there and listen to what he wants. And you're going to have to try to adjust your game. You have to, you know, if he wants you to do something, you're going to have to do it, man. It's, it's what he wants. And if you want to be on the floor, then you got to adjust. But um, it's not ideal, you know. But like I said, I know I know that happens. And um, it's, a, it's a tough situation. But in those situations, man, you just got to adjust your game and try to, try to do the best you can. Yeah, that's... That's real. It's That's tough. Real. It's, it's tough. definitely tough, though. It's definitely tough. Um, I would say for a guy who might be, you know, in your shoes, right, a smaller guard, come out of college, or trying to work their way up, you know, overseas ranks in the first or second year, um, what advice would you have to those guys who may be trying to kind of 
find their footing overseas and, you know, trying to have a long career like yourself, you know, what do you think is the most important piece of advice that you can give to somebody coming up? Man, for me, it's, it's, it's always been work, man. Just put in the work, um, be consistent, uh, Man, and a lot of times, man, guys don't understand that being a good teammate goes a long way. <laughs> you know, being positive, being somebody who, you know, your 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 teammates want to be around and play with, like that goes a long way, man. That can all that being just being a good guy can get you a job. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, having those intangibles, uh, being a leader, uh, those are just you know qualities that you know coaches like. And um, they can always go a long way. You know, a lot of people don't realize when you play somewhere and you looking to get a, a, a job for the next year, those teams who are interested in you are going to make phone calls. They're going to make phone calls. They're going to ask about your character. They're going to ask what kind, what kind of guy is he? Um, does he like to go out? Is he late to practice? Does he talk back? Is he a good teammate? Like, bro, you got to be – when you're in Europe and when you're overseas, like you have to be a good guy. You have to be somebody who people want to play with, or you're not going to get a job. You're going to get a bad reputation and people won't want to take a chance. So you, no matter your talent, yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. So um, you got to make sure that's, you know, you're on, on point with those things. And um, I think if, if you take care of all that, you should be good. Gems, gems for sure. I can definitely confirm that. Um, I guess in the grand scheme of things, right, what would you say is the best part of playing overseas? And then what is the, the worst part or most, I won't say worst, the most difficult part or most challenging part, I would say, um, about, about the job? So I feel like from my perspective, right, um, whenever I go back home to stage, people be like, man, like, you're so blessed, man. You play in Japan. You get to travel the world, man. That's so cool. It's like, yeah, it is a blessing 1,000%, you know, but it's also like, yo, you don't even know what we go through over here half the time, you know what I'm saying? Like, man, man. From your experiences, what would you say is like your favorite part of the job, um, you know, over the years? And then what's been the most difficult part to overcome and, and come to grips with? Man, the best part, like, is traveling, you know, getting to see the world, getting to see different cultures, um that's been probably the the best part of playing overseas and uh just getting to see the world um but the most challenging probably is you know you're in these places you're you're in France you're in Turkey man you so tired after practice you don't you're not going to see anything in the city you're not going anywhere you you staying in your apartment you resting um you know, so I think those are the things that people don't see. They see you overseas and they think it's, you know, it's all gravy. But nah, we working hard, man. We put in the work where our bodies hurt, um, our our we're mentally tired, you know what I mean? We go through a lot over there. So um I think the most challenging part is also, you know, being alone. I was alone for a lot of those years and you know, you away from family, you get homesick. You know, it's uh, especially when you're going through tough times, you're losing, you're losing games, you're not playing good. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to come back home to nobody. You ain't got nobody to talk to. Oh, man, it can get, it can, it can get, it can get tough, man. And um, 
you know, those are the times, like I said, I just rely heavily on my faith and uh, get you through those those tough times. But yeah, man, it, it can get challenging, but it's, it's definitely a blessing and uh, I'm definitely lucky to be able to do what I do for sure. Sure, man. It's, it's funny you say that too, man, because I feel like uh, people be thinking overseas like a, a, va a paid vacation sometimes. Right, right. I'm like, no. Nah, nah. I ain't over. I'm not a tourist. It's crazy. Man. I feel like when tourists come to Japan and they go, where have you gone? I'm like, well, we, 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 I'm, I'm going on the road to these cities that have teams. And so I've been to this city, this city, this city. <laughs> Like you've been everywhere. Like I mean, I've been there, but I ain't, I ain't seen nothing. I ain't been exactly. Been you in the hotel and you back on the road, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've been there technically, but I, yeah. I, I don't get the experience, man. I got people always nah. get that experience. <laughs> Not <laughs> at all. Um. So this is this, this is something that I wanted to ask you, man. This is actually this is the first time I, I I've had a guest on the podcast that I can ask this question to, man. So I gotta take advantage of it. Um. Okay. You've already mentioned twice, you know, your wife, and you've you've shouted her out twice, and I, you obviously you got the, the ring on your finger now. You know me, I'm 27, man. I'm a I'm a young guy, you know what I'm saying. Like I said, I'm single. I haven't, I haven't been able to find wifey yet, man. And I feel like it's a challenge to try to date, man, while you're overseas because number one, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, like we're we're foreigners, half the time we don't speak the language, so it's like, man, I'm trying to figure this out, right? So, um, for you, man, how are you able to kind of like? navigate that man and, and and find your person that you that you've been able to, to to do life with man because i feel that's one thing that people do not talk about man you really gotta i know so many people to this day man who like my homies that played overseas for eight nine years and they still single they come home at 30 something years old because you really have to put your life you put your life on hold when you're playing overseas when it comes to like your career after basketball what you want to do as far as your career focus getting out of the college at 22 and starting jobs you mm -hmm. know basketball and you didn't make enough money where you can retire you got to get a job you might be hopping into that workforce at 35 you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I kind of talk about that well, people don't really talk about the relationship side of it as well man it's like sometimes you might be playing for 10 years and it's like damn you know what i'm saying um uh, a lot of lonely nights you feel me so for you how how have you been able to kind of navigate that man throughout throughout playing for so long and and being able to get to the point where you have been able to you know be married mm -hmm. and Man, it was uh it's 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 been tough. Uh like you said, it's I've talked to a lot of guys and it's like if you don't really meet somebody before you come overseas, I know a lot of guys who didn't and now they're still single like going into their 30s. Yeah. Because it's hard like if you don't meet somebody overseas, when are you really going to meet somebody? During the summer? No, probably not. <laughs> you know what I mean? For two months, um, and it's like, all right, bye. I'm yeah, two months. Work. Yeah, you know, you, in the summertime, you're just trying to have fun. But let me turn on this like one, one second. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's getting a little dark. Um, sorry about that. You good? Uh, you know, so I feel like it's it's, it's very tough for guys to be overseas and to try to find somebody if they haven't already. Um, for me. I was lucky to meet, uh, you know, my wife overseas. Um, you know, I got lucky, met her on a date nap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you might have to get on that date nap, you know what I mean? So, you know, I was lucky. I met, I met a good one, man, and uh, been rocking with her ever since. But, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a tough situation. But I think, you know, if you're really ready for that commitment, man, there's a lot of great women overseas, you know, that, that if you're over there, if you're ready for commitment, 
you know, they're over there. They're everywhere, man, and around the world. So it's just about, I, I think, guys wanting that commitment. Um, I know I've talked to some guys who are like, man, I don't know if I can meet a wife overseas. And, yeah. you know, uh, that's kind of – for me and my wife, we actually went through that because of the culture. She didn't know if her parents would accept, right. you know, me being American, me not speaking French, you know, uh, you know, just the different things. And, like, American culture, they're not they're not used to that. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, if it's unknown, they don't know how to react to that. Right. So uh, that was definitely a, a a roadblock that we were up against, but ended up, you know, working out. You know, I love her parents. Um, they love me, and it's just been a it's been a blessing. But I think, uh, you know, a lot of if you if you overseas, man, you just can't have that fear of of uh, meeting somebody. Man, you just got to go for it. I, there's a lot of great women overseas, and you know, I'm sure. Uh, if you're ready for that, you can find somebody. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a, a big emphasis. If you're ready for that, <laughs> exactly. you really want that. A lot of folks, <clears throat> you know, and they, yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. You got to be ready for sure. How have you been able to kind of maintain that while you're playing? You mentioned, you know, she's she's French, and you're playing around the world, different different mm -hmm. countries every year, almost. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. you know, being married, like that's a commitment, you know, on both of you guys. You know, not just yourself being able to move. You now you have another person that you bring into that picture. So, how have you been able to kind of maintain that? Um, you know, as a pro athlete and meeting her overseas and trying to now intertwine her into, into your life. Yeah, man, it's tough because I know, you know, you meet somebody overseas, they have a job. Uh, are they going to be able to be flexible enough to move with you if you leave? Like there's a lot of, you know, variables. So with her, you know, she was able to, uh, she was, she had to quit her job to come with me in Turkey. So, um, you know, that's something that we talked about. And we decided that was the best option, you know, to be together. You know, now I don't know if that's for everybody, you know what I mean? Um, but for us, it works. So, uh, yeah, man, she had to drop everything. And, you know, she trusts me enough to to move with me and, you know, to follow me. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's a big responsibility for me, I feel like. But I'm ready for that, you know what I mean? And, you know, it means everything to have her there when I come home from practice or a game. You know, that long distance is tough. And it's, it's, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to do that long distance for, for long. So, you know, I need her with me. So, uh, yeah, we had to, we had to go ahead and make that move. Hey, listen, man, I feel like, you know, you giving all the young blood listening to this hope, you know what I'm saying? Cause like, <laughs> it'd be getting grim sometimes. You'd be like, damn, I'm about to be 35 single. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, it's, it's, it's good to have a positive example of somebody who's been able to, you know, make it work and, and find mm -hmm. that partner. You know what I'm saying? Because even like I said, myself, man, it'd be tough. You'd be like, ah, hey, I'm I'm 27. I just turned 27. Oh. Man, you got time, man. You got time, bro. You got time. They no more, man. They no more, <laughs> man. Hey, listen, appreciate that. Appreciate that, my boy. Um, so we got some quick hitters, man, before we get you on out of here, man. I know, like I said, uh, we, we we had some great conversation, man. So we're gonna keep it rolling um and get you out of here with a couple quick hitters, man. Um, but First thing I want to ask you is give me your top five favorite cities in Europe from five to one as far as favorite cities <laughs> to, okay. to live or play, you know, all the above, all encompassing. What's your top five favorite cities? Okay. I'm going to have to go with Milan is definitely in there. I don't know what in what order. Can I just give you five? Do I have to put them in order? Also. 
Yeah, we need we need him in order. So Stan right. Stan put him in order. Five five to one. Okay, okay, okay. I have to go uh Stockholm number five. That is a deep cut. That's a deep yeah. cut. I'm gonna need you to elaborate on that one after after we finish the okay, list. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Stockholm five. Um where else have I been? Okay, Moscow. Moscow. Number four. Russia. Woo. <laughs> yeah, number four. Um, number three. Man, number three, I would have to say probably Istanbul. Mm. Istanbul, number three. Number two. Uh, number two, probably Madrid. Mm. And number one, Paris. Wow. So Milan, not in the top five. Nah, 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 nah. Wow. Because nah. I, I wasn't there long enough. I wasn't there long enough. But it was it was a great city, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, Stockholm, bro, for me, in the summertime is – and I wasn't in Milan in the summertime, so. Yeah, so talk about I, Stockholm. I wasn't, now that, that's uh, not a city that comes up often. Stockholm was not a city that, that comes up often. Because I don't think a lot of people been there. Mm-hmm. So, for me, man, it's beautiful – in the winter as well, but in the summertime, it's a beautiful, beautiful city, man, and uh, great architecture. Um, you know, it's just great vibes too. It's a really nice city on the on the water. Like it's beautiful. So uh, yeah, you, I, I recommend Stockholm to if you haven't been there, you should you should go. Yeah, I feel like okay. So you went Stockholm five. You went um, was it Moscow? Moscow four. Yeah. You said Istanbul three. Um, what was Madrid was two? Madrid was two, and Paris was one. That's so interesting, man. Okay, I'm gonna see if I can remember Stan's list because Stan's was Madrid five. Then he went. Then he went. Was Madrid five? I think he might have. I know three was. I think it was like Tel Aviv. So I think four might have been Paris. One Barcelona. Two was uh Milan. Yeah, one mm-hmm. Barcelona, two Milan, three Tel Aviv, four Paris, five Madrid. So those are kind of some of the bigger. I'm surprised Barcelona or uh, or Milan didn't make your top five. Have you been to Barcelona? Before? Nah, Barcelona is a nice city for me, but I went there. I went there one time. It was cool, but Madrid for me is much better. What's for me? What's I deal with Madrid. Talk to me about Madrid. Man, Madrid is nice, man. I was a. Uh, I was able to stay in the city, like right in the center of the city when I was there, man. It's and it was during COVID, so I mean they don't care if it's COVID. Like it was still things to do, things were still open. We were still outside, like yeah. <laughs> like it was it was a nice city, man. And it's not it's one of those cities. It's a big city, great food, but it's not expensive. It wasn't expensive at all. Mm. So I mean it was it was a perfect setup, man. And um, you know. I mean, it was for me. It was. It was. It was really nice. Okay. All right. All right. That's, that's a great list. That's a great list. And I feel I appreciate you got Moscow on there too. Was Stockholm? Those are two cities I feel like I have not heard as far as being lit. Mm-hmm. Moscow was like Russia, like Russia. See, but that's what people don't realize, man. Russia is like even my parents. They're like, you do you you sure you want to go to Russia? Like, yeah, man. Russia is a is a um. Where I was at was Siberia, so it was super cold. Oh my God, and, uh, <laughs> and Krasnoyarsk, it was super cold, man. But um, it was still like I think maybe over one million people in the city. 
You know what I mean? So it was like I remember they had some great restaurants. You know, there's nightlife there. It was, it was you know things to do. It was, you know, during the season you don't really have the time to do much. So you just want to go to nice restaurants and yeah. go out. You know, every now and again, and you know they had all that. So it was nice. You know, I appreciate that list. I appreciate that list for sure. Uh, so how about uh? You can do top three or top five because it might be a little more difficult, but best food in Europe. Best food. Oof. Ah, oh, dude, that's the best food. part about playing overseas, man, is the food. I ain't going to lie to you. you, Bro, Japanese food is top tier. I would Really? Top tier, bro. Top I, tier. I can, I can imagine I can imagine that. That was one of the, that was one thing I was most worried about was the food. Like, what the mm-hmm. other though? When I got over here, oh my god, mm-hmm. bro. So I want to know from you, like, what do you think has been your your top? You can, like I said, whatever ones is is easy, easier, top five or top three. If you want to give us five, you can give us five, uh, or if it's easy, you can give us three. But best food, best food, Uh man, I would say it's not in Europe, but uh, Melbourne. When I was in Melbourne, Australia, oh goodness. Great restaurants, great steak, great. They had that's one of the places that has had the best coffee. Really? Melbourne, Australia, the best coffee, hands down. Um, great restaurants, great steakhouses. It was really impressive. Um, where else? Madrid of Madrid again, man. Great food, great food. And like I said, not too expensive. Um, whatever you want, they got it. Um, I'm gonna do top three. What's the third one? Uh, that's tough. I probably have to say Istanbul, bro. Istanbul is Turkish really food. good. Yeah, yeah, man, Turkish food is really good. Okay. Really good. Yeah, you know they got noose red out there. <laughs> they got what? They got Salt Bay out there. Oh man. yeah. yeah. <laughs> So they got some they got some great restaurants too. Okay, that's a bet. That's a bet. I'm about to get to Istanbul, man. I, I've actually heard that's a, a top tier European city too. Mm-hmm. So I list. Um yeah. favorite matchup from, from the guard position, like somebody who's brought the best out of you. Um and then what do you remember about about, about you know the matchup or if you've seen this person multiple times, who 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 would that person be? That's a good question. Uh Man, a lot of people I've told this to, but man, um, Jerome Randall, man, tough, super tough guard. I remember playing against him in Australia, um, lightning fast, pull up, doesn't miss, get to the basket, crazy handle. Probably one of my hardest matchups was uh, Jerome Randall. And for me, man, being a small guard, I don't like playing against smaller guards. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like somebody smaller than me, bro. It's a, I, I hate it. So, um, yeah, man, he was he's he's a great player. Um, another guy that is another smaller guard than me was Jordan Crawford. That went to Xavier. Uh, I'm not sure if he oh, wait, it's two Jordan Crawfords. It's one that played yeah. with us in the league, and then there's the light, light skin one. Light skin one. Okay. Little one. He played in Turkey last year. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. Super quick as well, man. Just uh super fast, ball on a string, can shoot it, get to the basket. Uh he's a tough matchup. Um, 
Um, yeah, those two. And I would have to say, when I was in France, I played against uh, Rodrigue Bobois. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tough. And he, he make it look easy. Bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. He may, he don't even be sweating when he play. I'm like, yo, what is going on? <laughs> no sweat is crazy. No sweat, just giving you buckets. I'm like, all right, yeah, he different. He different. Yeah, he had a couple of tea in the league. Tell me I was watching him when he was in the league. He was definitely mm-hmm. tough. So, yeah. Sure. Um, all right, who you say is the best European player right now in Europe? Uh yeah, I probably have to go with uh Misic from uh FS. You know, he's he's a uh, probably either him or Ve- Vezinkov, who he just won MVP in the Euro League from Olympiaco. Yeah, yep. Olympiaco. Yeah. Okay. Uh I would say either either of them, man. Um Vezinkov makes it look easy. He's another one that makes it look easy. Um gets to a spot, great feel for the game, doesn't miss. You know, just it's I had never really heard tough. of him until this year. I had never heard of him until this year. And I see I started seeing him. I'm like, you're a league MVP. Who is this? Cause I heard about obviously Mitchich and Miritich mm-hmm. and all these guys, but I had never heard of him before. He he's like that. Yeah, he's nice. He's nice, super nice. Um, yeah, does it all, man. Post up, shoots the ball like really well, great cutter. Like I said, he just he makes it look easy. Okay. Do you feel like um because you you played in you know with with Nurkic you played against Luca you played against all these guys you know uh, Mitchell and Ephes and then it's crazy because you look at the league now you got damn Jokic just winning the Finals MVP Giannis you know what I'm saying Europeans kind of, they 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 taking over a little bit right now I ain't gonna lie like do you feel like do you feel like they're catching up to Americans as far as like the gap or do you feel like and I feel like so, I'm not gonna lie I was in Portugal I low key felt like they. They don't defer to Americans. They feel like they as good or better than the Americans. <laughs> Do you get no, that? absolutely, bro. They they are definitely narrowing the gap for sure. I mean, look at you got Giannis, you got Jokic, you got Luca, you got. I mean, the best players are are European nowadays. Like, um, and I think like you've been over here, so you see the system. Yeah, like they become pro at fifteen. Yeah. You know, they're playing against grown men at 14, 15. So I think the system is a lot different. I think they're developing their players um, a lot faster out here, man. Like these days, I feel like they're the, the game being different is, uh, you know, it's it's not all one-on-one out here. You got to really know the game. Right. You got to – fundamentals come first. Yeah. So, you know – that 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 goes a long way learning the fundamentals first and then everything coming after that um so these guys are you see like they are not so athletic they're not above the rim players right but the fundamentals are so are so developed they can pass shoot dribble yep and that's going to take you a long way along with their talent you know what i mean so I think uh, we need to get back to that in the U.S., man. Just developing these guys from the fundamental aspect. I think we need to get back to that. No, that's crazy. I was somebody made a point. Four out of the five guys on first team All NBA this year were not American. I think three of them were Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, or maybe was it Luca? No matter of fact, I don't think Giannis was first team. I think it might have been Luca, Jokic. No matter of fact, Jokic was the first team. It was Embiid, Giannis, Luca, and Shea. Mm. Only mm. American on first team All NBA was um, Jason Tatum. 
It was like, damn, uh, one person on there out of five. And granted, you know, Embiid and Shea are European, but they're not American. And then you got number yeah. five, Wemby, France. It's like, yo, what's going on here? Like, what's going on? Hey, starting to shift. It's starting to shift. Hot. Do you think that that is a direct by- byproduct of those guys playing earlier? You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I feel like people always say the NCAA in college you can develop, but like, do you think that they have an advantage because they're starting to play pro at a younger age? Like, why do you think we're seeing this kind of shift happening now as far as where you got four out of the five top five players in the league is not American? Like, why do you think that is? I think that's a part of it. I think that um, the fact that they're playing pro earlier – and they're developing like that. I think that's a part of it. I think another part of it is social media is just getting out of hand, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys have these mixtapes, and they're dunking, and they're doing all that. That's all they care about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what's going to win you games. Right. <laughs> and I think that we need to get back to just the fundamental aspect and teach the game. Like, the highlights are cool, but can you make the right pass? You know what I mean? Like, can you read a pick and roll? Like, can you do what's going to help you um, to play at the next level and to win? And it's not all about highlights. So that's, that's, don't get me wrong. That's, you know, it's fun. It's, it's fun. It's, it's entertainment. That's what people want to see. But at the same time, you got to know how to play the game. Right. And I think that's what they have on us at this point. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Now I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, so last two questions before we get you out of here, man. Number one is going to be, obviously, the show is called What's in Your Bag. So we ask every guest, man. It's a, uh, a little bit of a fashion question, man. So it's twofold, right? You're stepping out to, to the club. Let's say, you know, your, your, your number one city was Paris. So let's say you're stepping out for a night on the town in Paris, right? What's in your bag? So what you throwing on? Give us the fit that, you, the fit that you're wearing, number one. Second part of that question is literally, like, what's in your physical bag? If you got, like, a, if you're a tote bag guy, if you were over the shoulder, crossbody bag, what you throwing in the bag? What type of essentials are you throwing in there? So that's the two 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 part of question there. Man, if I'm stepping out in pairs, you gotta you gotta come correct, or you're not getting in the club. Come correct. <laughs> they will not let you in, so you you better come with it. Uh, so for me, I make sure like some type of designer, maybe a Mary shirt, maybe some. Maybe some Gucci, I don't know, Balenciaga, something like that, man. You know what I mean? Uh, the jeans probably going to be regular, you know, jeans. Maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe Zara, maybe I got, you know, a couple of Miri, I don't know, something like that, just to, you know, make sure they, because they, they're going to look you up and down. Oh, they're going to they gonna do what it is? They're going to definitely look at your shoes. If you're wearing tennis shoes, you're not getting in. Wow. So I'm I might throw on the, the McQueens, the all black McQueens, because you know I don't want my shoes to get dirty. You know what I'm saying? I, you know how I go in the club. I ain't wearing nothing white. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, no, nah, man, I ain't I ain't I ain't rocking the crossbody because I probably lose it. <laughs> I'll probably leave it in there. Uh, nah, so I'm gonna just you know I'm gonna just take the wallet out. You know what I mean? I'm gonna have a wallet in the back pocket and then yeah, go from there, man. Okay, solid, solid, <laughs> man. Because um. We had uh, Kyle Allman Jr. on here. He plays for Paris Basket, um, and uh, he was saying the same thing. He was like, "Bro, like, if you if you in Paris, 
like you have to step out if you're going somewhere even if you're going somewhere people will be casually going to like the grocery store or something they be throwing on a fit you'd be like yo what like bruh they don't nah it's totally different bro totally different like they're not stepping out the house and no like sweatpants and like sandals and like no it doesn't exist doesn't exist that's crazy to me bro <laughs> that's crazy to me like because you know in america it's all about being comfortable over there right. like yeah like over there they they throwing that they putting that shit on man every time have you ever got a chance to go to like any of the fashion week events in while in europe or anything kind of nah, like no i haven't got a chance to do it man nah, that's definitely on the bucket list though for sure my uh, my wife she used to work for balenciaga so she was into the fashion a lot and like she kind of put me on to a couple things so okay um, yeah, and it's been it's definitely on a bucket list you got to try to connect them dots man i know she got some plugs yeah. sure <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Last question we always ask our guests, man. Shout out to all the smoke. We throw this segment from them. Who is one person that we should have on the What's in Your Bad podcast? And whoever it is that you say, you got to give us the assist and, you know, try to help us, help us get them on. Man, so that's easy. Cam Clark, man, my my guy, he's, he's staying in uh, Dallas as well. Played with him in France um, my second year in Shalom. And probably one of the most stylish guys that I know. But also... Um, one of the best scores I know, man. A ratchet, um, a bucket. So yeah, man, that's my guy. You should definitely have him on, man, for sure. Say less, say less, man. We're gonna tap it after we get this podcast done, and I'll hopefully we can connect the dots and uh, make that happen for sure. We love to have him for on sure. for sure. Man, this has been a great conversation, bro. Um, well worth the wait for sure. Likewise, man. likewise. Uh, I always number one. I feel like I always. Just, Love to connect with guys who have done this, man, for a long time and just be able to learn and take little pieces and jams. And this conversation has definitely inspired me a lot, bro. Um, number one, just you being a man of faith and being able to put your faith in, faith in God throughout the obstacles has inspired me a lot from being able to have this conversation and, you know, gave me, I think, the, the push that I needed to just keep going on, on this journey, man. So, like I said, I think everything happens for a reason and God definitely put us on this call together today to be able to talk about this Um but definitely want to thank you for your time, man. I know you're in the off season right now, so you taking time out to jump on the pod definitely means a lot, man. And um, continue to be, you know, a lot of, you know, just continue to be an inspiration to a lot of guys coming up, you know, um, that are trying to follow in your footsteps and, you know, being a small guard that's reached the pinnacle of overseas basketball, man. Definitely want to give you your flowers. Uh, take my hat off to you, man, for what you've been able to do for a lot of guys. And thank you for coming on the podcast today, man. Definitely was a great conversation. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me, man. It's always nice to, uh, like you said, just try to share my story, try to, you know, motivate other people. I know a lot of guys are going through things and they might think that, you know, it's too tough or they can't do it. But, man, if you just keep pushing um, and, and keep God first, man, anything is possible. So um, just, you know, shout out to all those guys going through going through it right now and uh, just don't give up, man. And I, this is great what you're doing, man. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate you having me on here. Um, like you said, everything happened for a reason, man. And uh, I want you to know that, that you need to keep going too, man, for real. Um, so yeah, man, I, it's, it's been a pleasure and uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Always, always, man. We definitely have to run this back in a few years, man. When you, when you get ready. To Absolutely. On Japan, you know what I'm saying? We can have some some, uh, some Japanese in, in person episode of What's in Your Bag, you know what I'm saying? Cash out and ride off into the sunset. <laughs> but all right, guys, this has been another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. As always, make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast, man. We're having these 
amazing conversation with a bunch of guys that I know you guys learned a lot from. So go ahead and tap that subscribe button. It goes a long way. It's going to be my guy, Pull Up Tay, on the outro. Make sure y'all stream his music, man. Until next time, folks. Peace. Suave. 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 I've been in my bag for a while, I'm invincible Story of a young boss, grinding shit critical Calling on my bros one time, cause you special I had some hood dreams of right rounds for my mentor Every target that I shoot is on point like a pencil Different road, change relationships, I'm so sorry Came up from the trenches and I made it, I say hardly Thank you for listening to Believe You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show And giving us a 5 star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.